Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. <laughs> Sorry. I'm in the middle of laughing at stuff here. We, we open up hour number two. It's the Jeff Dean Show here. And whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to tune in via the live stream, you can find on ESPNTucson.com. We do appreciate you tuning in. We know you have options of where you, uh, where you lend your ears on your weekday mornings, and we do appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here on ESPN Tucson every weekday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. We always have that quick break from the end of the first hour to the beginning of the second hour. And there's plenty of times where I do something serious ending the, ending the hour, and there are times where I do something playful ending the hour, and I decided to go playful today with the all-name team, the 2021 college football name team, which I have retweeted. If you want to check that out, at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice, where you can find me. I listed off some of the funny names. And, of course, everybody you know, posting the Key and Peel names, the Ozma Traz, Buckshank, and Beezer 12, Washing Beard, and Quattro Quattro, and all that stuff. Funny stuff. Other people have now joined in with some of the snubs from the all-name the all team. you got to go to the comment section of this, folks. I'm telling you, if you got Twitter, go to the comment section. This guy's name from, he's from Alabama. I don't know how he got missed. His name is Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid McKinstry. Not kidding. Uh, his real name is Gequan, Gequincy or something like that. But they call him Kool-Aid. And it's listed on the on the, the media sheet as Kool-Aid McKinstry. I mean, if that is not a Key and Peel name, like how did they how did Key and Peel not have that one in their in their skit? Kool-Aid McKinstry. Here's another one. Hot Rod Fitton. You can't make this stuff up. It's too good to make up. Yeah, you got You got to check it out. It's hilarious. Such, such, you know, just fun stuff out there. Again, it's not to make fun of anybody. It's just having fun with their name. The one guy's name is Bear Hunter. I mean, how do you not laugh at that? His parents knew what they were doing. Last name's Hunter. We're going to name our kid Bear. There you go. Big offensive lineman. Playing for Wyoming, Bear Hunter. Real quick, uh, just, a, just a quick little glance into the NBA Summer League as action is heating up. Last night we saw the number one versus number two pick. It always happens. NBA is always like, let's do it early. Let's put, these, uh, put the number one and number two picks together and uh, put them on the floor early and see what happens. Last night it happened, and they did not disappoint. Detroit's uh, number one pick, Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. Uh, the consensus number one overall looked great. Scored 20 points, 4 of 9 from beyond the arc, 8 of 18 altogether, 3 steals, played uh, played pretty good defense, led the offense. You can just tell kind of from, from watching him. And, you know, I watched him in Oklahoma State, was really convinced that he was going to be the number one pick, even with Jalen Suggs and his his uh, uh, heroics in the in the postseason for Gonzaga. I did feel like, like, like Cunningham was going to be the number one overall pick. He played good, and he shows that, that he's going to be a leader in Detroit for quite some time. However, it was Jalen Green of Houston's uh, Houston Rockets last night that, that stole the show. Scored 25 points. I talked about Jalen Green and his ability to score. I do believe that if given the right situation, 
I think he'll be an NBA scoring champion at some point in his career. I just He just scores the ball too easily. He's effortless. He was 6 of 11 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, just flat filled it up. Team got the W. They won by 20 points. Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, look, we weren't expecting much out of Summer League from the Suns. We know the roster is set. They don't have a whole lot of rookies that they're looking at. But one rookie that has been playing well is Tyshawn Alexander, second-year guy. Uh, Tyshawn has has played quite well, even though the team has not. And just a little quick note, former Wildcat who transferred to St. John's, Justin Simon, great young man, by the way. Uh, He has been filling out the stat sheet, and he did again for the the Phoenix Suns the other night. He had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 block shots. And uh, so it's nice to see Justin Simon. Like he's got all those all those tools. He's a guy that, that can absolutely do that. I'm not going to say he's going to make an NBA roster, but it's nice to see Justin playing well. Great kid, great young man, and uh, I wish him all the best. Also, one other quick note, um, Luca Garza, who was probably the most, I don't know, I, I think people who watch college basketball were like, he's a first-round pick. People who know what NBA talent looks like is like, he, he shouldn't be drafted. Luca Garza was drafted late in the second round and is showing that, you know, dropping the weight in the offseason. He dropped like 30 pounds in the offseason. He doesn't even look the same. I hardly recognized him. He's got the he, – he looks like Luca Garza out there. He's He's got all the offensive tools. He's got the heaviest feet I've ever seen out of a, out of a guy, but he's got all the offensive tools, and I think, I think he can find his way on a team – and be a part of a 12-man rotation. You know, if they if they get if they get some uh, some foul trouble or some injuries, I absolutely think Luca Garza can play in this league. He, he's not going to be great defensively, and there are a lot of players in this league that are going to take advantage of of his lack of quickness. But offensively, he, he can he can still he can do it. He's he'll he'll be able to have himself a career if if he can find a way to kind of just hide himself on defense. Let's get into some NFL training camp news. There's, you know, I mentioned it in the in the promo leading up to today's show. Are the Buccaneers and other teams that are that are going to be starting their their week one, uh, you know, their week one quarterbacks or week one starters, are they making a mistake by starting them in the preseason, specifically in game one of the preseason or week one? Because Bruce Arians earlier, I think it was either late last week or early this week was quoted as saying everybody's going to play. Tom Brady's going to play a couple of series for us, and every, you know everybody on his team is going to play. And you think to yourself, my God, why would you even put Tom Brady out there at risk when you know he's going to be your starting quarterback? He's 44 years old. You guys are a favorite to win the Super Bowl this year again, to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Why would you even dare throw him out there? And I'll tell you the one reason why, because Tom Brady said so. Tom Brady went to Bruce Arians. Tom had MCL surgery in the offseason, wants to get some reps in live action before the games matter. And he went to Coach Arians and said, I want to play. And Coach Arians, being the smart man that he is, listened to his star quarterback, future Hall of Famer, quite possibly the greatest of all time, depending on which person you ask or what day you catch me on. Uh, You listen to him. You listen to that guy and you say, okay, we'll play you. Everybody's going to play. If Tom Brady's going to play, everybody's going to play. This is part of Brady's influence on a team. I don't know if I ever told this story. I don't think I've told this story on the air yet. Let's tell this story. So 
just this is just an example of the kind of command that Tom Brady has. Okay, the 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 influence that he has over his team and his players and how he leads, how how much of a leader he is, and how much his teammates respect him. Was having lunch with Mark Grace one day, former Major League Baseball player. Gracie, a lot of fun to be around. Has all kinds of stories. He even has, he's a guy that has more stories than I do, and rightfully so. He was at a at a bar. Big surprise, Mark Grace was at a bar one night and recognized Tom Brady, and was you know just kind of waved to him and stuff like, hey, you know how you doing? Just kind of like you know raise your drink kind of thing like you do like bros do. Brady was like, hey, come over here. Like signals him over. Like get over here. I want to talk to you. So Gracie gets up. And goes over and starts talking to Tom Brady. So they're sitting there talking, and there's some snickering coming from the fellows that were sitting next to Tom, some bigger guys, probably also football players. We would later find out that they were uh, part of his offensive line that were hanging out with Tom there. So there's some snickering, some laughing going on, and Grace is like, hey, uh, you know, what's funny? Basically, like, you know, everybody's drinking. Guys have got their beer muscles on. The the testosterone is starting to take over the room. There's a bunch of professional athletes there. And so Gracie's like, hey, what's so funny? And one of the guys speaks up and basically says, and I don't remember exactly what, what he said or how Gracie, because this was like eight or nine years ago that Gracie told me this story, maybe even 15 years ago. I don't remember. I'm terrible with timelines, by the way. I don't remember anything that he, like a year that happened, anything. So Gracie goes, he, the guy basically said, oh, we were just discussing how soft baseball players are and how it must be nice to make that much money and be fat and sit on your butt all day long. And Gracie was like, okay, yeah, if you think I don't work hard, you should try to come out and hit a baseball and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And Tom kind of gets in the middle and was like, hey, guys, let's just, you know, let's just settle down. So Gracie, you know, Gracie leaves and stuff. Like, it goes back to sit at his table where he was at. And he looks at – he notices Tom pull one of the offensive linemen aside, basically the guy that was, that was laughing and making fun of baseball players. And he says he watches Tom kind of lean in and say something and then proceeds to smack this guy across the face. I mean, full open-handed slap, bang, slaps this guy across the face, grabs him by the shirt, brings him in, and then kind of like lets him go and goes back to his drinks. And about five minutes later, that gentleman, that offensive lineman, walks over to Mark Grace's table and apologizes. Says, Mr. Grace, I am apologize for being rude. I would like to pay for your drinks and your dinner tonight. And walked away. That's the kind of influence that Tom Brady has. Tom Brady, don't take no bleep from anybody, specifically not an offensive lineman talking about uh, a baseball player that had uh, Mark Grace and Tom Brady had never met before, never met. They just recognized each other, acknowledged one another, like, oh, Brady recognizes Mark Grace, obviously. Mark Grace obviously recognized Tom Brady. They had a little, you know, a little conversation, and Brady was not going to put up with one of his boys talking down about Mark Grace or baseball players. Let him have it. Made him go and apologize to Mark Grace for it. That's the kind of command that Tom Brady has. So when, when Tom Brady goes to Bruce Arians, coming off of MCL surgery and says, I'm going to play in the preseason week one, that means 
everybody's going to play in preseason of the week one, right? Okay, that, that's that's how it goes. Everybody plays. Tom Brady went to coach, says, I want to play. Arians, being the smart man that he is, says, okay, we're going to play you. That now means that everybody's going to play. This is Tom Brady leading from example. This is Tom Brady leading from the front, leading with actions. Word out of Tampa Bay is that he's been extremely salty this training camp, Tom Brady meeting, that he's been uh, dogging a lot of people in camp, like on their butts, big time, very vocal, um, has spoken out quite a bit about how you know nobody's going to give you the respect. You still have to go out and earn it just because you won a championship don't mean nothing. He's been there before, right? He knows. He's well aware of what a target on his back feels like. Been there six times, now a seventh. So in this case, I think it's the perfect scenario for a coach to allow his veteran player to go out there and play in week one of the preseason. Now what about a team, say, let's say San Francisco. There's a lot of talk about who's going to be the starting quarterback in San Francisco. And we're using San Francisco because – a, they're NFC West, and B, because we know the other three NFC West teams' quarterbacks day one. We know who QB1 is. None of them even need to play uh, preseason games except for Stafford, probably want to get reps with the first team. Everybody else is good. In San Francisco, they've got a quarterback dilemma right now, and not because Trey Lance is pushing Jimmy Garoppolo for the job. The The real problem here is, is the minutia of – Jimmy Garoppolo's contract and whether he plays and his injury history. The 49ers would obviously love to get some trade asset back uh, in exchange for Jimmy Garoppolo. They would like to get some things back for him. They do believe that they spent a lot of assets and money, essentially, to go and get Trey Lance in the draft. They believe in him, and I've seen some tape and not just highlight reel. I've seen some actual tape of him throwing a football in the 49ers camp. He's different, man. He's He's got a different vibe about him. Jimmy Garoppolo is owed $25 million guaranteed dollars if he's on the active roster week one. As of right now, he is owed nothing. If he, if he doesn't make the team, if he gets cut, if he gets traded, some of the teams have to pick up his contract. The 49ers owe him nothing unless he's on the active roster week one. So if he, A, wins the job, and is the week one starter for San Francisco, he gets paid. He gets his $25 million. However, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there in preseason week number one against the Chiefs this Saturday and gets hurt, the 49ers now can no longer trade him because you can't trade a broken commodity like that. Okay, So he's not tradable, and you can't cut him if he's hurt. Okay, That's against the bylaws. So he's going to be on the active roster because you can't you can't just put him on the injured reserve list and take him off the active roster for the season for a bad ankle. They would have to pay him his $25 million if he goes out there and gets hurt in the preseason. So should the 49ers start Jimmy Garoppolo against the, against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one? A lot of people are saying no. Then, of course, there's the optics aspect of it. If Trey Lance goes out there and gets the starting job, or it gets the it gets the nod for the you know for the reps with with uh, first team 
this Saturday, everybody's going to be like, oh, Trey Lance beat out Jimmy Garoppolo for the job, and that's not even close to the case. It may not even – the 49er, Kyle Shanahan may be honest in his assessment of talking about Jimmy Garoppolo to the media when he says that he looks better than he's ever looked before. It may not just be smoke being blown up people's rear ends to try to get a, a better trade uh, offer for him. It might be real stuff. But can you, I mean, can you dangle that out there? So you want to be an NFL head coach, huh? You want to be an NFL GM. These are things you got to worry about. If you play Jimmy G, not only do the optics turn in the media and the fans to Trey Lance, uh, or if, if, you, if you play him, then obviously, you know, people are like, okay, if he gets hurt, you're out $25 million. You got a hurt player, $25 million, untradeable, can't do anything with him, can't cut him. Do you cut Jimmy Garoppolo before week one and save the $25 million and get nothing for him? See, teams are going to start calling the 49ers bluff on this. They're like, eh, we're not going to trade him. You guys can cut him if you want. Feel free to cut him. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to trade for him. 49ers are in a bit of a pickle right now. $25 million for this year. Or they can just restructure, which is, in my opinion, what they probably should do. But will Jimmy Garoppolo restructure? If they say, hey, We'll re, you know, we'll redo your contract. We'll do two years. We'll do thirty million, fifteen million a year because he's guaranteed nothing next year. He could be a free agent, um, or they could just restructure and say, "We'll give you fifteen million guaranteed, and you're gone after next year." Take your pick. <laughs> Bit of a conundrum in San Francisco right now, and uh, look in a lot of places. New Orleans. What are they going to do with Michael Thomas? He is absolutely a, a malcontent. He is causing problems. He's leaving cryptic tweets about the about the franchise what do you do with him where do you send him i've heard some i've heard some news maybe like baltimore las vegas jacksonville could be a, a possible landing spot for him i know jacksonville's got money and they would love to have a little more security and another outlet for for trevor lawrence to throw a football in his rookie season baltimore would also love the same for lamar jackson they'd like to get a little more veteran presence I think in that wide receiver room they're very young at wide receiver and I think the Raiders at this point are looking at their roster and they say our window is closing rapidly I think the experiment with John Gruden coming back out of the booth down to the sideline to be a head coach is starting to wear on Raiders fans nerves it's starting to wear thin quickly and they have to do something right now well they've got Derek Carr a healthy Derek Carr good running game and a, and, a, and a serviceable defense. I don't know they have no money, but do you just completely leverage the future, go out and get a guy who could be a potential megastar in Michael Thomas if he's happy and healthy? So that's going to be interesting to see what happens with Michael Thomas. We'll keep a close eye on all of these things, and, and, and as we always do, also hearing news out of Denver that uh, neither of their quarterbacks are really working out right now. Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, have both been very, let's say, underwhelming in Bronco camp. Things not going well in Denver. Again, that is the team. If you're wondering where Aaron Rodgers is going to play his 2022 NFL season, I think Denver's got to be at the top of that list. They haven't drafted anybody worth a damn. John Elway can't assess collegiate talent. His staff can't assess collegiate talent at the quarterback position. They've been able to, to bring in some free agents that have helped them win, of course, Peyton Manning. But they, I think they're like 17 games under 500 since Peyton Manning left the, the franchise. Things have been bad. They haven't had good quarterback play. They can't draft anybody. Go out and get Aaron Rodgers. Try it again. Let's reset. 
and they may leverage their you know some of their future with a uh, with a trade with the with the Green Bay Packers in this offseason because Aaron Rodgers as good as gone this is his final season in Green Bay this is going to be his swan song with the Packers he'll finish his career in another in another uniform the same way that a lot of NFL players and great players and future Hall of Famers have just part of the business it's the way it goes NFL Cover 2, you can't miss it. Each weekday here on ESPN Tucson, it's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company is Arizona's oldest brewery, and we're so thankful for that, celebrating 30 years of brewing here in the state of Arizona. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson. The NFL announced some emphasis on some rules yesterday. We'll go over that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the NFL, or the No Fun League, as uh, many people have called it over the years, and rightfully so, has released a video with a little less than a month to go before the season begins. September 9th, the official kickoff today, August, August 11th, so just a little under a month to go. They released the video yesterday that are it's highlighting some of the it's not essentially rules changes as it is more of an emphasis. They do this every year, right? And and some years there are rules changes, and I think this year there's they, they changed something in kickoff formations or something like that. It's I I don't think it's all that important. You can only have so many players forward and backward and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the the topic of conversation here was the league's competition committee identifying taunting as a point of emphasis for this season and the nfl released a video yesterday of things that they believe will be flaggable offenses or things that that officials need to be really intent on policing uh rich mckay the uh the director of you know of of rules and things like that um i don't remember what his exact title is i know rich rich mckay but the NFL's Players Association and Coaches and Competition Committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among the players on the field. The video says that we saw an increase in actions that clearly are not within the spirit and intent of this rule and not representative of the uh, respect due opponents uh, and others on the field. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce the taunting rules, and players and coaches are reminded that two taunting penalties, now this is a change, two taunting penalties committed by an individual player will result in an automatic disqualification. In addition to that, the taunting player may be fined and or suspended depending on the severity of the actions. Okay. I, I can be a little bit of, a, uh, uh, of an old-timer, you know, old-school, fuddy-duddy, whatever you want to call it, stuck in the past, okay? I don't like bat flips. Uh, the occasional, you know, kind of, home run celebration is is fine but a bat flip followed by a 90 second light jog around the bases where you're then greeted by 20 of your teammates to jump up and down and stomp up and down in a home run in the third inning that puts you down three to one um is ridiculous by the way okay and i'm going to stand on that i don't care if i sound old or out of touch <laughs> in a situation like that you're being a jerk, okay? In the NFL, there are certain situations where, yes, I feel like the taunting has gotten egregious and it's gotten out of line. 
players will stand over another guy that has fallen or that they've taken out or whatever and jump up and down and say something and, you know, hop or stand over him essentially like that, belittling and demeaning the player. Or there have also been situations like we saw in the Super Bowl with Antoine Winfield, right, where he held up the two in front of Tyreek Hill, right, just just held up the two, flagged for taunting. And I'm like, oh, come on. Now, the video that the NFL released yesterday showed two of the examples that they would be looking at. It was uh, there was a, a situation where an offensive player had kind of trucked into a linebacker, into Miles Jack, and Miles Jack, who's a lot bigger in this situation, kind of took the brunt of the hit, and the offensive player felt like he wanted to flex and was like, you ain't nothing, I'm strong too. There was nothing there, okay? They want that situation to be flagged. I understand that the league wants the players to be respectful and they don't want things to escalate into physical violence. It's football. It's a physically violent game. Not to mention, these players' career could end at any moment. That player who just had a face-off with Miles Jack in a, in, at an open field collision with a, with a bigger player won the collision and decided he wanted to just flex for a moment and be like, I got, I got this. I'm, I'm here. I'm here all day. I'm a competitor. I'm strong. He could, he could, on literally the next play, get tackled and blow out his ACL or, you know, have the, have the, the trifecta, uh, you know, knee ligament, blow out and end his career. Could be over. Achilles, whatever. It could, his career could be over at any moment in, in, in the game of football. I think we need to be a little bit more relaxed in the game of football. There are certainly situations, yes, where uh, it, it's, a, it's a flaggable offense. If it's just intentionally obvious you're belittling someone, then, yeah, there, there's, there's, no, there's no place in sports for that, period, in sports at all. Uh, but flexing on a guy who you've just had a collision with and they're looking at you and it's a, it's a competitive type of, uh, of, of you know, uh, face-off, showdown, whatever have you, I, I have zero problem with that. Uh, if a guy gets up and wants to spike the ball emphatically because he made a big play. As long as it's not disrupting the flow of the game, fine. And if it does disrupt the flow of the game, it's not taunting. It's a delay of game. It's a five-yard penalty instead of a 15. I think the 15-yard penalty is enough. You don't need to throw guys out for taunting. And not to mention, I watch a lot of football. I can't remember a time where a guy has been flagged twice in a football game for taunting. I can't. And, I, you know, I don't know how much it's happened. Obviously, I don't see every play, and I haven't logged every penalty that has occurred in the NFL over the last 20 years, as long as taunting has been around. But I can't remember a time where a guy was flagged twice for taunting. Sure, two players can be flagged on the same play. I've seen that plenty of times where the offensive and defensive player both get flagged for taunting. I've seen that uh, a few times. I always go back to the – to the Jake Locker celebration from Washington many years ago when Jake Locker scored the game-winning touchdown in a game, I believe it was against Cal. They're in Seattle. He dives into the end zone, makes a, a huge play with under, like, 20 seconds to go. And as he get, as he's kind of, like, rolling, he does, like, this rolling somersault because he was tossed into the air. And he gets up and he goes to, you know, throw his arms up in celebration, like, you know, touchdown signal, like, yes, the ball happens to come out of his hand. 
and the official flagged Washington for ta- for taunting for excessive celebration. Okay, same difference. And then Washington kicker missed the PAT and they lose the game. And it just it, it plays like that just remind me how silly some of these rules are. And let me just say this. Above everything else, above all, even if I disagree with the with the taunting you know aspect of it or whatever the case may be, this is now opening the door even wider for officials to make judgment calls in games. I do not want judgment calls in sports, ladies and gentlemen. We need to decrease the amount of judgment calls in sports. They are ruining the game. Games. Allowing officials to make judgment calls is a huge problem. Strict rules need to be enforced. Yes, holding, that's obvious. Pass interference, most of the time it's obvious. Although they've changed that rule a million and a half times. What's a catch? I don't know. Depends on how they interpret the rule. But this is a strict judgment call. If, if one official one day sees a guy flex and is like, there's no harm done, the opposing player wasn't upset by it, they were both kind of jawing, kid made a good play, let him celebrate a little bit, fine, no flag. The next week he does it again, gets flagged for it. All of a sudden now he's cost his team 15 yards. What if that 15 yards happens later in a game and ends up costing them a win? Now he's, he's a goat, right? He's, he's, he's the reason that they lost. But the week before, that flex was fine. See, this is the problem. This is the inconsistencies that I'm talking about. Officiating can be bad. Okay, it, it, can, it can just be poor across the board. As long as they're consistently bad, I have no problem with that. It's like an umpire, home plate umpire. If he's got the biggest strike zone in the world, that's fine. Is it that way for the entire nine innings, both top and bottom? Fine. It's consistent. But having officials try to judge whether somebody is taunting or not is going to be so judgmental and so subjective that it's going to ruin what we are watching on the field and it's going to ruin a player's ability to celebrate a little bit after a big play. This is the, these are the kinds of things where these guys in suits sitting in an office somewhere in New York City have nothing better to do and they're saying, well, how can we, you know, i got to do something today because, uh, you know, I'm making 250000 a year just to sit here on my butt and, you know, officiate the rules and the, the, the officials and everything. Uh, let's, uh, let's, look, there's a little, there's too much taunting going on in this game. Let's, let's fix taunting. Why? Leave it as it is. What was wrong with the, with the rule the way it was before? It's already subjective enough and, and uh, open to judgment enough as it is. Now they're going to put an emphasis on it? So officials are going to be more judgmental? Stop. Stop it. Leave the game alone. Fix other things that matter. Do things that that matter to the fans and that don't get players in trouble. Players are out there to to show out for as long as they can because we don't know if their career is going to be three days or three decades. just don't know. They need, to, they need to be able to it, – it, it's a highly emotional game. They need to be able to express themselves. And, again, there are certain egregious situations where you're like, that, that is not going to be tolerated. We're not going to tolerate that. That's going to lead to a fight. That needs to be flagged. 
But a guy spiking the ball after a big play, not showing up anybody, is taunting now? Give me a break. This is ridiculous. These judgment calls ruining the games of all leagues. All leagues are that way. So, yeah. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. When we return, an interesting article written by Doug Haller of The Athletic uh, yesterday or the day before talking about recruiting in the state of Arizona. Very interesting stuff. Quotes from, uh, from big high schools here in the state. We'll talk about that next right here on ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. ESPN Tucson, 104.9 FM, 1490 AM. Thank you for joining us here. It's Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Uh, Just real quick news coming out of Seattle. The Seahawks have cut pass rusher Alden Smith who has had all kinds of problems personally in his personal life throughout his NFL his uh, his NFL career watching him on the field it's easy to see that he just is one of the most talented and gifted players ever to to line up on a defensive line however Alden Smith who has had numerous DUIs in his history violent uh history domestic violences was also charged with second degree battery back in April and he has now been cut by the Seattle Seahawks, probably was going to be his last chance in the NFL. I don't know if another team is uh, is going to give him an opportunity. So Alvin Smith cut and uh, maybe it for him in his NFL career. So Doug Haller uh, of The Athletic wrote an interesting article that was uh, published on The Athletic uh, two days ago. It was uh, it was Monday that it was published. And it was talking about, and I, I was talking about this the other day, talking about how strong the state of Arizona is high school-wise, and really how it has grown exponentially over the last seven or eight years in the realm of moving up the rankings nationally in high school recruiting for football. We talked about the quarterbacks that are across the country right now. I mean, you've got, you've got three, maybe four players who are already being talked about as, as potential Heisman favorites even uh, in college football this year. Brock Purdy, of course, at Iowa State, the quarterback there, played his high school football here in Phoenix. Spencer Rattler, quarterback at Oklahoma, he's one of the favorites, obviously playing for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. It's going to give you uh, an advantage there. His quarterbacks just, they keep churning out Heisman trophies. There are no championships, but Heisman trophies. He played here in the Valley. Um, Keaton Slovis, quarterback at USC, he's from the Phoenix area. And Bijan Robinson, who is not only one of the, you know, one of the nicest and most humble uh, and well-rounded young men that I've met, um, one of the most talented running backs I've ever seen. He's at Texas right now in his sophomore season. Of course, Tucson product, Bijan Robinson. Those are, you know, four players just right now that you can look at and say all four of those guys have a shot to be in New York for the for the Heisman Trophy celebration. So um, state of Arizona recruiting has, has definitely become elevated. It is not on the levels of California, Texas, Florida, okay? it's it, We're not there yet. But according to some of the coaches, not only in college, but certainly and, and also at the high school level, they talk about the state of Arizona as even though the numbers aren't there as far as the amount of five-star and four-star athletes that are coming out of the state of Arizona, that the, the level of the players like is right on par with California and, and Texas and such. There's just not as many. Like in Arizona, there might be 
four guys in a year who are you know, guys that can start on a national championship team for three consecutive years and yada, 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 whereas in California, Texas, Florida, there's 80 guys that can do that, right? So while Arizona doesn't have the, the volume, it certainly has the quality. Now, Doug Haller spoke with eight high school coaches, spoke with, with them in anonymity, many of them located in the East Valley here in Arizona, uh, in, in the Phoenix area, East Valley being like, Scottsdale, Gilbert, Chandler, Mesa, okay, Tempe, those are all considered East Valley schools. Uh, he spoke with one West Valley school and a couple of Phoenix schools, like most likely Brophy Prep um, in there as, as one of those schools. He asked them, he says, how would you describe how Herm Edwards and his Arizona State staff have recruited your school? One coach said, they don't recruit our school, it's kind of puzzling. Another coach said, the first year with Herm, the Herm train, what was it? Everybody said, some kind of train, of course. Uh, they came out in full force, brought five, six, seven coaches out. And the first couple of years, um, we had guys visiting. But since then, I couldn't even tell you who recruits this area. I have no idea. I haven't seen or talked to anybody from that university in a few years. Another coach said, very initially, they made a big splash. Haven't seen him in a couple of years. They, they focus on Southern California. Another coach said, um, you hear things, and I take them with a grain of salt, but all they do is recruit L.A. It's hard for me to even uh, be in touch with those guys. Um, another coach said, our big-time kids receive offers, but other than that, if you're not a five-star kid, they're not even going to talk to you. He says, another coach says, they've given effort, but we don't talk to them much anymore. Um, another coach said that we had a kid committed to Arizona State, and they didn't really show him any love, and he changed his commitment and went to another Power 5 school. Those are the, the words you're hearing from high school coaches, the top high school coaches here in, in the Valley. The same question, or the question was asked, how has Jed Fish and his staff recruited your program since they took over at Arizona? These are the same coaches. One coach said they called right away. I imagine with the top 10 to 20 schools in the state, they probably did the same thing. They made it a priority to reach out. Another coach said unbelievable communication. I know he hasn't coached a game yet uh, as a head coach, but Fish understands what he's doing. They're in constant contact with myself and my coaching staff, and I think they've done a really good job of recruiting in-state. says you can say that you're going to recruit, which a lot of people have in the past. But where's the truth behind it? Jed Fish is doing that. I think I know who that coach is, by the way. I won't say. Um, another coach said, they initially put in as much effort as anybody I've ever seen during my tenure in Arizona. Uh, let's see here. Another coach said, um, basically, like, you know, we've, we've been contacted by him. Uh, one, only one coach said they haven't really contacted much with us. It sounds like they're doing a bang-up job getting a lot of Arizona kids. Uh, but as far as our kids go, they haven't really been as interested. Um, one coach, the coach from the West Valley, said, I've heard more from them in the last two months than I've heard from Arizona State the entire time that Herm has been there. He goes, I've talked with four different coaches from Jed Fish's staff and haven't heard from Herm Edwards in four years. It's important. We talk about it all the time. Fans talk about it all the time. Got to recruit the state of Arizona. Coaches come in. They're, 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 they're opening press conference, right? The question always gets asked. Always one of the first three questions asked. How are you going to recruit the state of Arizona? How are you going to win back the state of Arizona recruiting-wise? How are you going to build borders? We're going to build borders. We're going to build borders that keep everybody else out. Well, that's not the case, okay? Because we've seen recently Oregon, Washington, USC, and then teams outside of the Pac-12, Notre Dame, a, Notre Dame a lot, Iowa State recruits the hell out of this state. Imagine that. 
they've had a resurgence in their program recently. wonder why that is. Oh, yeah, they've taken like nine elite players from the state of Arizona over the last four years. These are the programs that are building. Oklahoma has taken several players out of the, the state of Arizona. Georgia has taken players out of the state of Arizona. So there are big programs outside the state feasting off of the lethargy that's been left behind by the Sumlin era and currently by the Herm Edwards era. NAU is recruiting the hell out of the in-state recruits. They're not going to be on the same level as the two bigger schools, obviously, but NAU is doing a great job. Uh, Chris Ball there is doing a phenomenal job recruiting the state of Arizona. Cal is also doing a great job in in the Pac-12 recruiting Arizona. Charlie Ragel, of course, coached at uh, Chaparral here for many years, understands what it's like to recruit in the state of Arizona, knows everybody in the state of Arizona, and understands the importance of recruiting Arizona. Charlie lives here. Like, he's always here. Recruits the hell out of it for Cal. Cal does a great job recruiting in the state of Arizona. It's important to get the guys. A lot of these coaches were asked, why do you think, why do so many elite Arizona prospects go out of state? The, the overwhelming, the prevailing opinion was that they get looks from the in-state, the in-state uh, coaches, but they haven't been given the love that they were given at Oregon, Utah, SC, Iowa State, Washington, Cal. Okay, they, they have not been shown the love. They haven't been given consistent recruiting. Now, obviously, you can't lump Jed Fish and his staff in there because they've only been on the job for a few months, right? When asked in names... Uh, to name some of the assistant coaches who have impressed these high school coaches at these elite programs here in the state, specifically in the Valley. Jordan Pow Pow, Arizona tight ends coach, has been list, was listed by almost every single one of the eight coaches that were asked. I think he was only, I think only one or two coaches didn't mention him by name, and I think one of them just didn't, didn't know what his name was. They may have not been familiar who, with who he was or whatever. Coach number three, on this particular list, and I'm pretty sure I know who it is, says that uh, quarterbacks coach Jimmy Doherty, defensive coordinator Don Brown, Ricky Hundley, Chuck Cecil have all been in communication with his kids, all of them. That's all four of those guys. And it's if it's the school that I think it is, and based on his answers, I'm pretty sure I know who it is, it's a team that plays – as a nationally ranked team every single year and has been for the last decade and has turned out a lot of big-time elite talent. And Arizona is already starting, University of Arizona, is already starting to recoup some of those benefits of talking to that program. It's huge. This is, this is a big thing. You need to have a big presence in the state, especially when Arizona is not a wealth of elite talent. There is still plenty of elite talent to be had here. And if you can establish yourself early and often with these kids, you're going to start getting the elite talent to stay home. If somebody had just given Bajan Robinson a little more love, I think he genuinely wanted to play at Arizona. Just wasn't shown enough love. These kids all want the love. They want to be wanted. They want to be recruited. They want to be wooed. They want to feel special. I get it. They're young. That's the, I wanted to, too. I still do to this day, right? We all love that. Great. It's a great feeling to be wanted. Arizona's on the right track. Got to keep it up because you hear the same thing. They come out the gates like gangbusters, and then they scatter. Arizona's got to keep their their pressure, keep their their foot on the gas. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, 
We'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Final segment of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Don't forget to join Spears and Ali at 3 p.m. while Justin's out golfing and, and hanging out in a sauna. Uh, so join Ali this afternoon from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN Tucson. Immediately following the Spears and Ali show is Diamondbacks baseball. And uh, they come to you from San Francisco as the D-backs wrapping up a uh, two-game stint in San Francisco uh, tonight. See if they can uh, even the score in this series. See what happens. Uh, real quick, it, we look. We we kind of felt like something like this was going to happen. Uh, there was some controversy when Barstool Sports was named the presenting sponsor of the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, and now Pima County has announced that they're going to be pulling nearly forty thousand dollars in funding for the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, citing statements that were made by the founder of the by uh, the bowl's title sponsor. Dave Portnoy, uh, they found some some Twitters and some tweets from like 12 years ago that they uh, that they disagree with, and they're going to be pulling their funding. Look, we, we kind of expect that to happen, but we also are going to expect an influx of new money coming in as well from people who are interested in joining in that partnership. So keep a close eye on that, as of course we get closer to that game. Very exciting for the uh, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of all the information on that. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary behind the glass for all her hard work, and, of course, thanks to you. We'll see you guys again here tomorrow at 7 a.m. for the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.